0: Hello and welcome to episode two of the Knuckle Curve podcast, where we try to remind you that baseball is cool and baseball is fun. We're going to give you some of the fun news from the last week. We're going to tell you everything that happened. We're going to tell you what we're watching next week. My name is Artie Cruz and with me is my co-host, Andrew Lampson. Andrew, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing absolutely splendid, had a great, great week
1: in baseball, and there's a lot of players I'm really excited to talk about, and we had a few good
0: bat flips, so I'm always down for a good bat flip. We did have some good bat flips, you know, after last weekend, we had the Padres Dodgers series, that was a lot of fun, I was a little bit worried that things were going to cool down a little bit, but everyone's keeping up the energy, everyone is keeping it up, and it's just, it's been a lot of fun to follow. Yeah. And
1: I think that's a great talking point for me to go into our first pitch. I got to talk about the Detroit Tigers. They're, they're in a word, they're bad. They are not a good baseball team, but it's not all for naught. There's some really good quality pitching this so far this year, Jose Urena has six starts and he's rocking a 3.53 ERA. It's not bad. Matthew Boyd has a 2.27 ERA and six starts. That's, Pretty good.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, they're pitching. Some of it is actually like decent. There's some hope there. But as a team, I think they really need to get it together. I'm seeing in the past week, back to back days, actually, they lost 11 0 to the White Sox and then 10 0 to the Yankees. So, pretty bad week for them.
1: Yeah, and that kind of leads into what the Detroit Tigers are. They're not built for 2021, they're not built for 2022. I think looking at how young some of their potential and quality starters are, I think these guys are built for like 2024 or 2025. If Boyd and Uran are anything to kind of think about, then they might have two guys that could be at the top of the rotation in a few years.
0: Yeah, uh, I think once they get the uh, Miguel Cabrera contract off their books, it's going to open up a lot of opportunities for them, free agent signings in the next few years, but that's going to be a big hurdle to get over. Speaking of big contracts, I hear that there is a big power hitter in the central you want to talk about. Yeah, so my first pitch, if, listen, do yourself a favor if you haven't yet, and I'll, there's a lot of Twitter, baseball Twitter accounts that are great to follow. At MLB Home Run, I swear to God, any time that Nick Castellanos hits a home run, those replies are absolutely insane. He get two home runs today on Sunday, so if you want to laugh, just take a look at the replies. Probably the best baseball meme we've had in a very long time, maybe ever. Yeah, it's really crazy how the biggest joke in baseball
1: is about something that a baseball player like didn't even do. It's just he hit a home run and far deep drive to left field has just really taken over the culture.
0: Yeah, but for real, my real first pitch is a message to the New York Mets. They cannot keep getting away with this. They can't. They have one job. You know what their one job is? It's to not lose when DeGrom is starting. This week, he went uh, six innings with one run and nine strikeouts, and the Mets lost one nothing. No surprise there. Statistically, too, this was his worst start, six innings with one run and nine strikeouts. That's a pretty damn good worst start. Right now, his ERA is 0.51. That is 0.51. The Mets are 2-3 and in his starts. The bullpen behind him has given up eight runs in nine innings. They have to stop doing this.
1: Yeah, he's going to make a mockery of both the Cy Young Award, but even more so the win statistic. He's already obliterated kind of the modern conceptions of what we expect from an ace. But to see him have more losses than wins, as a pretty common thing, and it's almost expected, his stat line in a few years is going to be something that we can frame.
0: Yeah, also worth mentioning, not very common in today's baseball is getting a decision in four out of your five starts. And for him to be two and two, like not even an up for debate, the best starting pitcher in baseball right now. It's, it's just absurd. New York Mets, let's get him some help. Yeah, so
1: I think that uh, at least gives us a pretty good introduction to the New York Mets. As we go around the horn, uh, let's start over in the NL East and see what's going on over there, Artie.
0: Yeah, well, I'll keep it on the Mets to start. Um, So they have gone so far, 1-3 and this week. They're playing Sunday night baseball right now against the Phillies. And as you know, they lost their DeGrom game, which is never going to help you. One thing I'm a little bit concerned about right now is Francisco Lindor. Right now, he's just batting 182, just one home run. This week, he went uh, so far as one for 15. Uh, The Mets fans have certainly been letting him hear it. He's been getting booze over in Queens. That big contract has got to be haunting Steve Cohen right now.
1: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see his normal, his slashing numbers and his accumulative numbers aren't looking that good right now. But he's at least he's walking. He's hitting the ball hard. You got to think the slugging's going to come with time. But for a $300 million contract, I don't think they wanted time. They wanted to see this dude hop in and hit home runs from both sides of the plate.
0: Yeah. Well, the good news is the division is still extremely tight. Every team is within two and a half games. Over the Nats, they're on a four-game winning streak. Um, and that's good. Patrick Corbin had a good bounce back start. Maybe he's fixed. We'll see. He's been kind of up and down. He got off to a really bad start, but he went seven innings, giving up two runs against the Marlins this week. Soto and Strasburg are still hurt. There was no big updates. They are just really getting into the beginning of their rehab. So nothing really good on the horizon for the Nats.
1: Yeah, that's a team too, where when everybody's on the team, you know that they're really good, but they haven't had everybody on the team once. So we're still waiting to see what they look like.
0: Yeah, but again, still early, so and no teams pulling away with it, no teams fading away. Speaking of teams that should have been fading away, I right now love the Marlins. And you can write that down. May 2nd, I love the Miami Marlins. They are young and they're having so much fun out there. Um, they're the only team in this division with a positive run differential, by the way. So statistically, they should be in first place. Trevor Rogers has been absolutely lights out, 23 years old years old. 1.28 ERA, 38 strikeouts in 28 innings. That's pretty damn good from a starter. Pablo Lopez, he, um, just get him some run support. He's been an absolute workhorse, 25 years old. And of course, the star, Jazz Chisholm. He's on the IL right now, but he's off to an amazing start as well. He's so fun to watch. 156 OPS plus. That means his OPS is 56% better than league average. Also on the IL6, though, Sanchez, when he gets back, and it should be about a month or so, so maybe we'll see him in the beginning of June, every single team should be on notice for that.
1: Yeah, they're a really fun team. Obviously, I'm not the biggest believer in the Fish quite yet. It's one of those teams that I feel like we'll we'll get some fun baseball from them. Fun's going to be the word I'll continue to use for the Marlins, but I don't know at any point if they're going to be able to put it together and actually look like a team of stars rather than a team of miscellaneous guys that are all overperforming their age and role right now.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of been their MO for the past decade or so. But if this team, you know, if this new ownership and new general manager, if they finally decide that they want to win, their window's going to be open maybe next year.
1: Yeah, like you said earlier, the division's really average. So. You never know, like, if they keep this up, even being barely above 500, maybe 90 wins gets them either a division win or maybe that second wild card spot. Yep, we'll have to see. All right, American League East. I got to kick us off with Matt Harvey. Yeah, that Matt Harvey that we all remember from, like, one or two late-night TV shows when he was really popular on the Mets. He pitched for the Orioles this week, and he caught a W for the Orioles. The Orioles had a pretty... Sneaky good series against the Yankees with an extra innings walkoff and then one of the bigger games from an Orioles player from Cedric Mullins who knocked two home runs. Cedric Mullins also might be good. He's batting over 300, he's having a really good year slugging, and he's got some home run power. So who knows? Maybe the Orioles will be a sneaky team that we just have to keep our eye on in the middle of the AL East.
0: We'll see. I've definitely not bought in on it yet, but they don't look as bad as they've looked in the past years. Uh, John Means has certainly been very good for them. And actually, now that you mentioned the extra innings rule, how do you feel about the new extra innings with the runner on second base in the 10th?
1: I have not interacted with anybody that says it's good. It's one of the dumbest rules in the entirety of sports.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you there. Very dumb. I think maybe in the 11th, 12th, Maybe then we go to it, but let let the boys play a couple more innings of real baseball before we resort to some crazy Little League rules. I think I like the way the NHL
1: does some extra inning games a little bit more where they just start taking players off the ice. I think in baseball, if we make it to the 12th inning, you're only allowed to have
0: eight men in the field. I don't hate that. Or uh, in the 12th inning, you have to have a position player pitch. How about that? (laughs) Honestly,
1: both of those suggestions, no matter how comedic they may be, make more sense to me in my chair right now than just putting a base runner on. All right, well, what else you got there? Sorry to interrupt. No, oh, no problem. Let's go up to Buffalo. The Buffalo Blue Jays. Uh, they are just talk about an interesting situation where a Canadian team has to play in Buffalo. My favorite story from the week coming out of that was, I know you're in mind favorite short, thick King, Alejandro Kirk. He knocked two home runs over 400 feet. I'm all in. Dude's a catcher knocking 400 home runs. And then not to be outdone to start our week, Vlad Jr. officially said, it's time for me to be a premier player in baseball. He was a perennial number one overall prospect, but he started the week knocking three home runs in one game And every single pitcher in the league, and specifically the AL East, should know that it's his time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly very much wide awake on these young Blue Jays. Uh, They are very fun to watch. Yeah, Vlad, he's been topping some of those exit velocity charts. He's been topping the BABIP charts. He's, uh, He's no joke.
1: You know who is a joke? George Springer. George Springer in his DH debut for the Buffalo Blue Jays went 0 for 4.
0: So great start for him up there. Was uh, I gotta check that? But I want to see if he's played a road game yet. You gotta think he's gonna be uh, facing some booze anytime he goes to an AL park. (laughs) Uh, I think there's a few AL parks that he's not going to be very welcomed at. All right, over to the NL Central, which is uh, every bit as boring as the Rust Belt division you would expect to be. I don't let them lie to you. There's some good baseball out there. There's good baseball. There's good baseball. The Brew Crew is still on top, thanks in part to some amazing starting pitching from Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta. Both are in under two ERA, 2.25 for Freddie Peralta, 1.8 for Brandon Woodruff. Corbin Burns did just get added to the IL with a 1.53 RA, hoping to get him back soon. We obviously know all about that ridiculous bullpen with Devin Williams and Josh Hader. Also worth noting, their catcher Omar Narvaez off to an absolutely amazing start with a 972 OPS, also got added to the IL with a hamstring injury, something you really don't want from a catcher, but that 972 OPS from a catcher, it's not something we're seeing very often.
1: Yeah, I said last week that they're a team that we have to keep our eye on. I I, to me, they're overperforming, especially without Yelich being on the team yet, and him potentially making his debut for the season anytime now. But to see that team kind of take the lead in what was expected to be a fairly weak division, I wish them luck.
0: Yeah, I would like once once Yelich uh, gets back, it's going to be a pretty good war at the top with them and the St. Louis Cardinals, are perennial first or second in the division for pretty much the past two decades. They went 5 and 2 this week. They've won 8 of their last 10 as well. I'm um, worth noting their closer Alex Reyes pitched 13 in the third so far this year has yet to give up a run.
1: That's insane.
0: Yeah, so I really think this is going to develop to a big 1-2 battle. The other 3 te- teams in the division doesn't really seem like their time. Some of them got some young talent, but it's really a two-man show at the top for me right now.
1: Yeah, uh, it's pretty similar to the AL Central. The AL Central's got some teams that look pretty elite. One thing to look at this week is seeing Lance Lynn coming back off the IL. The White Sox rotation is already really good. And Lance Lynn's had a couple of really great years the past few years. So seeing him add even more depth, they're looking like they might have four quality starters that every game can give you six innings and two or less runs, which is fantastic. That's built for the postseason.
0: Yeah, not a lot of teams can flex something like that right now. And especially if, you know, like Dallas Keuchel can get back into his his previous form, that's going to be a big problem.
1: Speaking of problems, Tim Anderson knocked a grand slam this week. And when he knocked that grand slam, he trotted around the bases, very excited. If you're not aware, Tim Anderson, when he hits home runs, he normally bat flips it all the way into the dugout. This dude like wants to give a fan a bat. And based upon the videos that we watched, Tim Anderson did not bat flip a grand slam.
0: Yeah, it looked like it went just over the fence. Maybe he didn't know right away, but you got to imagine if that was a no doubter, that bat would be on the moon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of being on the moon, if you haven't bought stocks and Shane Bieber yet, you gotta. This dude literally set the April strikeout record. So even though he isn't what you expect to be your typical strikeout power pitcher where they're throwing a hundred miles per hour fastballs, he's still finding ways to strike dudes out. And just from what I've seen, it's from some really nasty individual pitches, but also not getting behind in the count. If he pummels the strike zone and he keeps doing that this year we're looking at somebody that might throw 250
0: or more strikeouts yeah that's something that i think a lot of people you know 10 years ago probably thought was going away just because of the longevity of pitchers you know nobody's there's nobody going you know eight or nine innings you know 20 times anymore but now with all these strikeout rates popping up we might see that 250 275 guy again
1: yeah and the final team i'll touch on today is the minnesota twins to me, on paper, they should be good. I think that they are a team that should be good. They started the year 3-13, and and they're still slowly rebuilding off of that. They won three of their last four, so it's more so if that 3-13 and start was a fluke or if they are really going to be a team that's going to rebound and take over sometime soon.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'm bought in on the Twins just yet. I mean... In the past couple of years, we've seen they can turn into an absolute monster home run squad, especially with, you know, Nelson Cruz somehow putting this together at age 41 now, I think. And the rest of that team, you know, is it's hard. It's a hard team to get around Byron Buxton, Max Kepler. But yeah, they're off to a pretty ugly start. It's going to be tough to bounce back, especially with the Indians and White Sox in that division.
1: Yeah. Speaking of uh, some pretty tough divisions, you want to talk about the best and
0: most exciting division in baseball yes that would be the national league west and it absolutely is the most exciting division um when we started the season it looked like we knew a lot we were making a lot of predictions but the way the standings look the only thing we know for sure is the same thing you said last week and that is that the rockies are absolutely awful that's all i'm going to say about it because you should already know headed towards the top of the division after an electric series last week and then i hope everyone got a chance to watch the padres dodgers After that, the Dodgers have gone cold. They only won two of their seven games this week, including dropping two out of three to the Cincinnati Reds at home. Ah, yeah, it's not good at all. Bad luck. Doesn't help that Dustin May went down on Saturday with uh, what he called a shooting pain in his elbow. Definitely not something you want to see in a pitcher. He'll be getting an MRA tomorrow, wishing him the best. But for this week, I'm going to call it a hangover from the San Diego series. I am not at all worried about the Dodgers. I am worried about Dustin May. He's one of my personal favorite pitchers to watch
1: pitch. His two-seamer is electric, and when that guy's on, he throws pitches from an arm slot I didn't know could go 100 miles per hour that have like six-plus inches of run. So I'm praying it's nothing serious, but just from kind of the early reports and kind of his description of it, we might be looking at something pretty bad.
0: Yeah, really hoping for hoping for him there, hoping it isn't you know, a UCL or some Tommy John situation. But I want to move on to the San Francisco Giants, which I know we were talking a little bit about stocks earlier. Baseball reference, if you don't know, has a, uh, a stat for playoff odds, and it will tell you historically. In the past 30 days, the San Francisco Giants' playoff odds have gone from 6% to 44%. They're going to the moon. To the moon is looking good. Brandon Crawford just came back from injury, but they're still missing Mike Yastrzemski and Johnny Cueto. Like you talked about last week, if the old guys on the team, the Evan Longorias, if they can stay hot once the the kids are back, look out. We may be in for a big shock out west.
1: I cannot even imagine what would happen in that division if the Padres, which appeared to go all in with their offseason moves, getting all these pitchers, and the Dodgers, who are coming off of a World Series win, if we see the San Francisco Giants come out
0: of nowhere and win that division, it's going to be electric down the run. Yeah, I'm not convinced yet. You know, it's still they're all still within half a game at top at the top, but I don't think anyone thought the Giants would even be here. So I'm going to keep an eye on it.
1: Yeah, we've seen a few of those old guys uh, make a run on that team before, so. Hopefully we see Posey keep up his batting rate so far. Artie, you got a slash line in front of you? Uh yeah, Buster
0: Posey's slash line right now. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, batting 359 on base percentage 423, slugging 688. Uh, I don't know if you know math that well, but that's an OPS of 1.11. Unreal plus OPS plus of 210 from your catcher. How old is he? He's 34 years old. I mean, I would talk about being an old catcher, but you got Yadier Molina in that league. So we're not going to talk just yet. Who's also hitting a
1: ridiculous like 340 this year. So it's a really, really, really big year so far for mid-30s catchers. So if you're a big fan of catchers and catchers hitting, then you've got at least two guys to continue to root for. Who needs your knees and hamstrings anyways? Catching your 40s. (laughs) I wish. Good luck with that. I'll take that, and I'll head over to the AL West now. And I think the biggest headline for me watching this week was Kikuchi, who is a starting pitcher on the Seattle Mariners, really came out of nowhere and delivered a really great start, and he took a no-hitter into the seventh. He's projected to be one of their better pitchers, but normally when you see a guy take a no-hitter into the seventh, you really... It puts him on your map. So I'll keep an eye on that guy as we go down the stretch. But that's was a pretty rough series overall for the Mariners outside of that. Uh, Houston's pitching dominated the series. Literally blew my mind watching Lance McCullers Jr., who's sneaky good throwing like five separate pitches that all have different movement. If you can't tell by now I'm a big fan of seeing guys that can throw four or more pitches. So huge,
0: huge game when I was watching that. Yeah, the thing about Lance McCullers Jr. lately, uh, too, is I think, you know, he's always been really overshadowed on that team by guys like Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke. Now that it's kind of more on him, it's looking like he's, you know, not shying away from that pressure. That
1: being said, I don't even think that that was the most interesting series that we had that week. The Texas Rangers went up to Boston, and based upon everything that we saw from Boston so far was Boston is this electric team that can hit the ball over the field and their pitching's really good. Well, the Texas Rangers decided to take three out of four. And it was the 2021 Brock Holt Revenge Series. doesn't matter how good he did. Said he got a win against his old team. Brock Holt is extremely popular up in Boston. So seeing him just, you know, take three out of four from his old team, good
0: for him, buddy. Yeah, that was something I did not expect to see, Texas being able to go up there and take three out of four. Uh, what were the big performances there? So there were
1: a few guys that had some pretty good games. Uh, Willie Calhoun, who's noted for having some pretty good power, actually played a few games at leadoff for them, and he's batting over 340 right now. So he had a few hits that he knocked around, and David Dahl had quite a few RBIs. So a lot of these games, they needed five or more runs. Seeing Calhoun have two to three hits in three of them, and then Dahl knocking in a few RBIs, both as a pinch hitter and then starting in the lineup, and Gallo hitting a nuke of a home run kind of gave them that advantage over Boston. Gallo specifically is really cold this year. He's batting 218, but his on-base percentage is 404. So he might not hit the ball, but he gets on base.
0: Yeah, Joey Gallo is one of those guys who he may never be in the headlines every week, but he's always going to be a problem for the for the other team. Also want to mention Kyle Gibson, who's off to a pretty good start this year, Went six innings and one earned run, which against the Red Sox is pretty impressive. Um, He's got a 2.16 era on the season. Yeah, so
1: Rangers exciting team, they got a lot of power. I'm not very much of a believer in the overall squad yet. Who knows? Maybe this might have been their coming out party against Boston. Maybe Boston isn't as good as we thought they might be. We don't know yet. <laughs> but let's go to, you talked about them last week, and I would say the Certified Roller Coaster Team of the Year, the Oakland A's. Oh, boy. They had a very wonderful trip up to the AL East, and they played 10 straight games against AL East teams, going 5-5. Five and five. So their last 10 games weren't just in the AL East. They were against Baltimore and the Tampa Bay Rays. So they played two series, 10 straight games, five and five. They started 0-7. They won 13 in a row. It's, it's <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason yet for the Oakland A's.
0: Yeah, it looks like they're going to be very streaky this year. You know, I think a lot of people had high expectations for them. I was certainly not one of them. I did not buy into their 13-game win streak, and I still don't. Well, that, you
1: know, being a a certified hater of winning that many games, we understand that. I don't believe in them because they went 2-2 and against the Rays, and they went, they lost a series against the Orioles. So they continue this ever-wonderful ALE stretch with a series against The Buffalo Blue Jays coming up. So we'll see at the end of this very weird part of their schedule.
0: If they specifically, the Oakland A's, are better than the AL East. It's going to be a sight to see. All right, we're going to move on now to the scouting report and what we're watching this week. Uh, I'm going to go first with one of mine, and that is a story that I think we're going to watch develop all year, and that's something I'm going to enjoy very much, and that is the Houston Astros Shame Tour. Obviously, last year, they didn't play in front of fans at all. This year, they are. So far, they've only played division rivals. They actually just finished up a series in Tampa Bay, where I promise you they did hear some boos, but now they're heading to New York. And honestly, New York fans might have more of a gripe with Houston Astros cheating in 2017 than anybody. So we're going to turn up the hot mics uh, around the fans for that series. It's crazy that we
1: heard Tampa Bay specifically boo Houston because... I wouldn't expect them to be a fan base with big bad blood, but it just goes to show the cheating scandal resonates with every corner in the league, and I think they're going to hear booze in 29 out of 30 stadiums.
0: Yeah, I would expect it, and I hope they're expecting it too. Speaking of
1: Tampa Bay, my scouting report Monday night: Otani Glass. Now, oh boy, <laughs> if you're a fan of power pitching. You're a fan of 98 mile per hour fastballs. If you're a fan of curveballs in the dirt at three, two counts and splitters that land behind batter's feet, you got to watch. I still don't personally know if glass now is as good as his stuff is. I need to see him pitch into the seventh or eighth inning once or twice, but I can tell you the individual pitches that are going to come out of these guys' hands are two of the best in the league.
0: Yeah, it's going to be one of those games where you know ahead of time that these are two starting pitchers who expect to go deep into the game and expect to carry their team to victory. Otani's going to try to do it from both sides. We'll see what happens. I would love to see
1: these guys show emotion. Normally, Glass now is very hyped in a close game, so hopefully we get to see that. He actually blamed his mom uh, for grounding him last week when he had a mini blow-up start. He said his mom uh, grounded him, so... This is his first
0: start when he's not grounded from his parents. It's interesting. I don't think we've seen that recently, but I'm going to be watching for that. I'm going to see if there's any lingering emotions there in his face when he's on the mound. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that wraps
1: up what we're expecting to see this week. So hopefully y'all enjoyed the knuckle curve episode
0: two, and we will catch you again soon. Yep. Please again, be sure to like, and subscribe on Spotify, Google podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you make sure you haven't missed anything because we've got you covered.